And both of you were successful in predicting that the Kolkata Knight Riders would make the playoffs, which they did, and they went all the way to the final. I believe that's only the third time in IPL history that a team that played in the Eliminator actually made it to the final. Uh, they lost to Chennai Super Kings, who captured their fourth IPL title in league history, and we will break all that down here. So the playoff teams, uh, as, as expected, uh, we got three of them right, basically. We, we had uh, Delhi Capitals, CSK, and RCB. I think we all had that. And then we were waffling a little bit on the, uh, on the fourth team. But KKR made it, and they looked like a completely different team in this UAE leg than they did in India. What, in your opinion, changed for KKR in, in this gap that, that made them look like a real team? They just showed will. Like, McCollum said that they had a different mindset. Uh, they kind of they kind of moved away from their older people. Um, they didn't really play Russell up in the lineup. He was decent as a bowler, but um, I think they just used their young guns and uh, pretty much, like, to be fair, 196 in the final is a pretty hard score to chase, but they started off with, like, 85 for zero so they, they had it almost if they had just not made mistakes and played dumb shots i think the biggest difference between the first half and the second half was the man that was opening with shaman gill venkatesh Ayer. he was amazing in the second half and he created solid opening partnerships with gill in really all of their matches and so you know the middle order was pretty weak all things still considered for kkr throughout um, the playoffs, uh, some really big collapses from their middle order, which ultimately was their downfall. But, you know, their middle order made some handy contributions during their regular season matches, and their bowling improved a lot. Uh, you know, Chakravarti was really excellent for them, and Shakib uh, bowled really well on these pitches as well and was utilized in the power play as well. So, you know, they finally showed up uh, as a team that we expected, given how strong they look on paper. Yeah, definitely Venkateshire is is the number one reason for me. And I think that energy sort of, you know, that trickled down to the rest of the squad because their middle order was still terrible by all accounts in terms of production. But Ayer at the top and Gill playing with more confidence, this new opportunity that they sort of had with Punjab and Rajasthan Royals missing some significant players and Sunrisers were basically out of the running by the time the UAE leg even started. So for KKR, it was a real opportunity to, to get into that top four. I think that the form is the biggest thing, right? Because as you saw in, in the first part of the IPL in the India leg, that KKR's form was terrible. They were a disaster through whatever seven or eight games that were played there. And that form translates more, I think, in cricket than in, in some other sports. And so on the flip side of that, when you, when you get better form, 
even from one or two players, it, it can really catapult you. Now, Mumbai also played some pretty poor cricket, if we're being honest. Uh, they didn't play their best lineups. They didn't play their best players in all the matches. And that's partly to do with this T20 World Cup that's about to come up here. But I think there was a combination of both things where, where Mumbai didn't play their best players and ultimately it cost them. And KKR kind of caught lightning in a bottle in, in an opposite way from, from where they had in the India leg. I want to get to CSK now, the winners. And we've talked a lot about CSK's lack of sort of going after star players and going after players that we would deem as successful T20 players. This is number four for them. This is the second in the last three years. So, or sorry, last four years, I believe. So they, yeah. So, so they've been successful recently now too. And and this is the most successful franchise in terms of, of wins over the history of the IPL. I think there are some serious question marks as to what exactly happened, but if we're if we're going to talk about good opening pairs, CSK's opening pair is probably the reason they're lifting this trophy, right? Rudraj Gaikwad, first half and second half was really good. Uh, but I want to piggyback on what you said earlier. Like Venkatesh Iyer, where did he come from? Like just the second half, he was basically non-name, non-household name in the first half. Like, was it something to do with you know pitches? Like the Dubai, the UAE pitches are a little slower, a little spinnier, stickier. And also that plays in CSA's hands because Chinnaswamy is like that. Um, as well as, you know, at the pitch, like if you're playing on only two pitches, they're going to get wear, worn down over like a match being played on there every day, sometimes two. Um, so like really, like by the time the final rolls around, I guess kind of overlook the fact that CSK is used to that slowness. Yeah, I think I think one of the other big, other big things with CSK is just their their lineup, they have so many different bowling options, and I feel like we saw a few matches towards the tail end of the tournament where, you know, like Delhi against KKR, and I believe with RCB, they were left with the 20th over of bowling someone that you really didn't want to have to bowl in that situation, and CSK has always had so many all-rounders, and that's why having getting Moeen Ali was such a nice addition for them, because he's a really good bat, and he can bowl really well, so... You know, that's pretty invaluable, and we're, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this in the second half in terms of with the Indian T20 team having a solid all-rounder. Um, that really makes a difference. Obviously, experience makes such a big difference in, in any sport, and you see that with CSK and how they're just cool and calm, and, you know, they're not they're not batting with their, like, batting like headless chickens, you know. They're, uh, they're bowling responsibly. Obviously, their captain has a lot to do with, their team's attitude and their mentality towards the game, but it always starts with the opening partnership. And Faf always performs in the in the clutch. And yeah, I mean Gaikwad, he he's been the discovery of the IPL truly the past two years because after CSK was eliminated last year and their horrid performance, he came into the lineup and he hit form right away for them. And so CSK actually went on a little little run towards the end of the tournament last year. So really because of his form. So you know he has a huge huge part to play in this championship and it's so frustrating because you know they're giving new england patriots vibes to the ipl where you know they don't necessarily have like the biggest stars or anything like that but they're just a solid team they don't make mistakes and at the end of the day they win yeah and they have the elder statesman the guy who's consistently there 
throughout, which which was for the Patriots, Tom Brady, and is for CSK, MS Tony. I'm, Anish, I'm glad you brought that comparison up because there's often this this running joke uh, in you know in circles like sports circles in general that the Patriots weren't necessarily the most talented team, but they were the smartest team, and they were the the team that made the fewest mistakes. And I don't think I've ever seen like a more stark difference in cricket in a tournament between CSK and the rest of the teams in the IPL. You can always count on somebody making a boneheaded play in in a match from any of the other teams. With CSK, it is very fundamental cricket, and that definitely limits their upside in terms of runs they can score or collapses that they can trigger from other teams with their bowling. But it's very fundamental, and usually that approach comes back to bite you at some point. But in this UAE leg, it looked like whenever there was a key moment that the, the, someone on the other team was going to make a mistake. Someone else was going to make that big mistake that CSK would benefit from. I remember something that Matt Henry, the uh, bowler for New Zealand, who also actually played at CSK early in his career, uh, I remember him telling me something uh, when, when I spoke to him a while back, and he said that for New Zealand, after coming back from the 2015 World Cup in 2019, the biggest thing that that team took away from sort of what they missed out on in 2015 was that they just had to win the pressure moments. And in any sport, really, but even in cricket, if you can win the pressure moments, what you do over the course of the rest of the match, it gives you more room for error in those other areas because you've won the pivotal moments. And I don't think there was a single pivotal moment in this season that CSK lost because they didn't have guys out there flinging the bat with one hand uh, in the 16th over of a manageable chase. Uh, they didn't have somebody trying to play scoop shots when there was uh, a ball that was in the slot to be hit back over the bowler for six. So simple things like that that I think get lost in this new T20 generation of cricketers that grow up looking to play these shots, looking to play uh, sort of the switch hits, um, the, the scoops over third man and fine leg. Instead of just playing fundamental cricket, I think that's what really ruined some of the chances of these other teams. I agree with you, but I don't know if you can necessarily say that it limits the upside because they have the second most championships it's not like they put up like a 120. They put up 194, which is really like a extremely good score, especially in the final. And but that's their like, only big score, right? If yeah, you look at if you look at the rest of their games, and this always happens with CSK, they perform you know middle of the road throughout pretty much every. If you look back in history, numbers wise, right? Pure purely numbers wise, CSK's track record is not that superior to the other contenders season to season based strictly on like net run rate and runs scored. It's really not that much different. But there are very few key moments that CSK lose. If you look at sort of a regression of the mean, like at some point your luck has to run out, CSK's luck just never runs out. I think the only time they've lost a pivotal moment was in the final against Mumbai 
on Malinga's last ball. That might have been one of the few moments where CSK actually lost a moment that they probably in most situations would win. So that's their big calling card, is that they don't screw up in, in the pressure moment. And I think that happened here. I don't know if they were the best team on paper and even on performance. Like net run rate-wise, you know, taking the most wickets, that type of thing. Obviously, Gaikwad and Faf ended up, you know, topping the charts in terms of runs because they played the most games. But that still doesn't really add up to, you know, top of the table, most dominant team. It's the key moments that they keep winning. And we think eventually their luck will run out, but it just doesn't. And there's no explanation for that. Well, I think that, you know, winning, you know, like you mentioned, you gotta win. You gotta win the key moments, and CSK probably find themselves in more closer matches than some other teams. You know, some other teams have more explosive T20 batters, um, and that's why you see you know some teams score more runs regularly. But at the same time, those other teams are more prone to a prone to a collapse. And at the end of the day, when you're in the playoffs, you need to be able to perform consistently and uh, you know play under pressure and. That, that's what these guys do. One more question for you guys on the IPL before we pivot to the T20 World Cup. I've talked about this uh, you know, off the podcast with you guys. We've exchanged messages. And um, you know, there's this talk of asterisks, asterisk championships, asterisk seasons. Do you guys think that this IPL was an asterisk or should be noted as such? by fans and, and record keepers of, of cricket history because CSK is going to celebrate a championship and they have every right to do so. Uh, they no. should not complain about Asterisk. this at all. Asterisks, seasons, and championships don't really exist. They're just made up concepts by like fans who are bitter. Like, if you're choosing to play or finish off a tournament, then it counts. Otherwise, they wouldn't have played it. I think they did the best they could based on, you know, COVID situation in India... Uh, last minute UAE pivot, uh, play those on those two or three pitches, and all the teams agreed to play. So why would it be invalid? I think it's championship. It's a championship. Yeah, nobody is gonna remember this as being an Astros championship unless there's a massive cheating scandal, a la Houston Astros, that will go down forever. But uh, you know, every team played the same number of games, and they all played in the same conditions. So um, while while some teams may have been built for the home conditions of their Indian pitch, um, at the end of the day, you have to you have to be able to adapt. And you know that's what the world game is about as well. You've got players on different teams and different countries that you know may be better at one uh, one type of pitch than the other. But when you when it comes to World Cup time, you have to be able to play on any type of pitch and any type of conditions. And so I think that. You know, actually, CSK is showing that they're actually a little more versatile about being able to win a championship in these conditions. So I do get both of your points. And I think, again, it's not invalidating their championship. This counts for their record. It counts for the IPL. It is a fourth title. No one takes that away from them. But I still deem it as an asterisk. And there's three major reasons why. Uh, Number one... Nobody played on their home pitch, even in the uh, India leg of the IPL, right? Everyone was playing in different cities. Uh, but the India leg was half of the tournament. 
And then there was a long break, right, due to COVID. So it's, it's not anybody's fault, so to speak. But there's a huge gap in that. And the form of your team, it, again, in cricket, I think is the form of your team matters a lot more than it does in other sports. And in a situation where you're playing only 14 matches, that form, when it changes, can have a dramatic impact on the standings. The margins are already so close in the IPL as we see every year. Bad form versus good form, I mean, that, that changes the dynamic completely. And really, it's, the, with, really it's with form? KKR. Really, it's with KKR for me, right? Like, KKR would not have made the tournament if they had played 14 games in a row in, in India. Do you honestly think they would have made it? No, but why does the form of one team or another team matter for the entire tournament and, like, the Astros? Because you've taken a six-month gap to clear your head and basically... Yeah, no, no, no. That, that, was, that was the case for all teams. Choose to do that. Like, it was a certain but not everybody played cricket during that time, right? Not everybody... Yeah. And not everybody was in the same situation as KKR. Yeah, but every... Every, every IPL team has a set number of Indians and a set number of overseas players. But it's not about so, roster yeah, sure. construction, Ashay. It's about you've, you've taken form out of the equation. You've taken form out of the equation and reintroduced it six months later. That's like well, saying, that's like saying imagine if they the did same. that. But imagine if they did that for like a World Cup. You, you they wouldn't. Did, they kind of did. They mess around with the World Cup schedule like three times. And now, like, but they didn't. They, they didn't play half the World Cup and then take a break for six months and then come play yeah, the other half the, in a different in a different Cup, part of the world. The World Cup had been had been scheduled for Australia last October. But it's not about that, Ashay. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not saying about this. Probably would have played because Australia has like way less people, and obviously like. You could, you could still be saying that, like, okay, halfway through the World Cup, they would have been, like, can't do it. Like, players' mental health, too many, not enough crowds, not World Cup, uh, you know, atmosphere or whatever. But they didn't do that. So there's so many hypotheticals that you could talk about all day. And I don't think, like, like every all eight teams agreed to reconvene and play. So I don't understand why. Well, like, well there's pretty pretty obvious reasons as to why they agreed to reconvene. Yeah, it's not. It's not like they. It's not like they had the option of keeping all their checks and not playing. I'm saying form was taken out of the equation when it very clearly would have had an impact on the final standings. That's number one, but that's only the first part of it. The second thing for me is the availability of players. Injuries happen here and there. We all we all understand that, and this kind of goes both ways, right? Because for Delhi Shreyas Iyer was set to miss the whole IPL when he got hurt in, in the India leg, but then was able to come back for, for the UAE leg. But Rajasthan Royals had lost three of their best players, all international players. It's impossible for them to replace those guys. Even when they are able to bring in replacement player, like replacement players, they're not at the level of Ben Stokes, Jofra Archer, and Joss Butler. There were withdrawals from other countries as players were taking some time off from the game. And I think that impacts the, the guys who didn't need that break, who hadn't been playing that much cricket, who were raring to go for this UAE leg. So that definitely is a factor. And the third part is there's a T20 World Cup coming up immediately after this. 
that changes the psyche of the teams who had players slated to play in that competition. It, an injury here and there, if there wasn't this T20 World Cup looming, maybe some guys play through that. Maybe some teams play their best players more often because there isn't a global competition right around the corner. Whereas a team like CSK, they don't really have that many guys competing in the T20 World Cup, right? Uh, even KKR to a certain extent. Russell was managed largely for the T20 World Cup. That's the reason he didn't play in a lot of the games. So I don't think that CSK's title is like invalidated by any means. Like Absolutely, they should celebrate their championship, and, and they have every right to do that. But I do think this one, the, by nature of being very different from every other IPL that was played, I think this does, for me, become an asterisk season. It's totally different than every single other IPL that was played. There has never been a situation where the IPL started and six months later reconvened in a different location, right before a T20 World Cup. That has never happened, and I, I hopefully it never happens again. But for me, I think that that makes it a completely different championship. It's still their fourth championship. It's still a, a great accomplishment, but it's different. And I think it should be viewed in a different light. I hear what you guys are saying. I understand the, the, the pros of, of your arguments. And again, it's a, it's a situation that's, you know, everyone has their own opinion on it. That's just mine. I think there are some significant factors as to why this one should be considered a little bit different than, than every other title that, uh, that CSK or any other team has won. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about the T20 World Cup that's already gotten underway in the group stage. Make our predictions. You're listening to the Follow On podcast here on followoncricket.com. Welcome back into the Follow On podcast here on followoncricket.com. You can check us out on Facebook at the Follow On. Follow us on Twitter. At follow on, of course, all of our content at followoncricket.com and wherever you get your podcasts from. We're discussing the T20 World Cup, which has already kicked off with the group stage. This is where the associate teams and a couple full members get to battle it out for spots in the big boy competition, which is a nice little wrinkle. But then you think about the politics and corruption in the sport at play. And really, it just doesn't generate that much interest. For me, at least. So we're going to avoid the talk of this group stage because ultimately, I don't think anybody from this group stage is going to make the semifinal. Is that a fair assessment or do you guys think any of these teams can make a run? Well, talk about the structure of the World Cup. The group stage is kind of shit in the way that it's just a qualifier and it's like, isn't the point of World Cup to have teams mingle and play each other uh, regardless of your status? In most cases, yes. Uh, that is not how cricket has functioned in recent years. And that is not how I believe cricket will function in the future. It's also damaging to the sport, but that's just, it is what it is. Also, well, I have a couple, well, there's, there's been exciting cricket. Um, 
because you know it's like Namibia playing Netherlands, et cetera, et cetera. Like uh, Ireland guy got like four and four. Um, you know, it's just exciting cricket because it's finally on the world stage for people, you know, to have an outlet to view these teams. Otherwise, how would the sport grow? You can I can make the argument that ICC BCI is really not interested in having the sport grow. They're just interested in being elitist. And like, what I don't understand why they're televising the warm-up matches, but hardly televising the up-and-comers, uh, as well as not even giving them a chance and treating it like a qualifier. So I mean, I have many, many like you know gripes about it. If you want to get into that, we'll get into it if you want to. But Anish, you think any of these group stage teams have a shot at making the semifinal? No, I don't. But I think that. You know, we've talked about uh, the exposure for smaller nations before several times on the pod, and at least this is finally a way for them to have a chance to make the tournament, and the good thing is they're playing it right before the tournament, so there's a little more publicity for them. This is true. This is true. And also, well, well, all that being said, I think the marketing is just horrible. Like, you wouldn't even think, like, yeah, there are World Cup matches technically, but you wouldn't even think that... Like some, I was on some random internet forums, and it was like, "Oh, these two teams are playing." Oh, they did not know it was a World Cup. But then, when you call it a World Cup match, suddenly people tune in instead of calling it a qualifier or like a group stage match or whatever they called it. I think part of that might also be just because of the timing of the IPL finishing just now. You know, there's been all this momentum, and the final was just played, and so generally, you know, you need a little bit of a lull before getting back into a new tournament. And so I think it is unfortunately time that. You know, the day after the IPL final, these teams have to start playing in the shadow. Yeah, and and I think there's a little bit of a combination of both where you have that immediateness after the IPO. People are still kind of into that IPL mindset getting into these teams. But where I do agree with O'Shea is that these warm-up matches should not be publicized at the same time as these group stage games. I think that's really unfair to these teams and they should be given their their prime time slot with nobody else playing on the side you want to play warm-up matches like do that way ahead of time don't do that at the same time as this sham group stage that you set up well i mean same time is fine but like just don't televise it above prioritize the television above like the actual elimination ones well that's the problem right because if you give a broadcaster a choice they're gonna pick the one that is going to generate more viewership. But if you if you don't give them the option, then enough, they don't have a choice. I agree. I think the group stage is a total sham. I think it's unfortunate that these teams that, first of all, had to qualify to get into this group it's, stage. It's, it's a step forward. It's a step forward because it's better than a 10-team World Cup. It's better than yeah. a 10-team World Cup. I, I agree with that 100%. But I think... If we look at it, right, there's the 10 teams that are waiting, uh, the two more, uh, or sorry, there's eight teams that are waiting the four teams that'll get out of this group stage. But there's 16 teams in total. I just don't see why you couldn't have uh, one pool of eight and another pool of eight. Four groups of four. Well, four groups of four lends itself to... Again, unfavorable results for some of the bigger countries. And basically, you don't get sort of the revenue that the ICC wants. But two, two pools of eight 
gets you seven matches each. So you, you get seven games of India, which is about the threshold for a successful tournament financially for the ICC. I know it's a, it's a shitty metric, but that's the one that the ICC uses. So that's the one that we have to go with. But it gives you at least seven India matches. You can still fix in your India-Pakistan moneymaker match in there. So, you know, the, the, the optics of, of the financial aspect of it are, are still great in two pools of eight. But what it does is it gives seven matches to these associate teams and familiarizes cricket fans with these players and with these teams. And I think that's still missing. And unfortunately, there's no indication from the powers at B to um, to do that, to publicize the game more and, and to um, and to grow the game more. I don't know if you guys realized, but there was a T20 cricket tournament going on in the United States over the past few months, and we barely heard anything about it. Even during the IPL matches, uh, there were barely any advertisements for you know who was playing in this tournament and what the setup was. So I think the marketing really needs to change. There's no indication that it will. I don't expect it to. But for the long-term health of the game globally, uh, I do think that, uh, that it does need to change. Enough about cricket corruption and, and the scam setups because we can, again, go all day on that. But let's talk about the next stage that's going to happen, the Super 12 stage as it's called. There will be two groups of six and the top two teams in each group make the semifinal stage. So the first group is England, West Indies, Australia, and South Africa with two teams to join from this group stage. Uh, this is a pretty tough group, and it features both finalists from the 2016 World Cup in England and the West Indies. Uh, how do you guys see this group playing out and which teams do you think could be the surprise teams out of this group? I think South Africa could be a surprise team. I think that England England is pretty much a shoe in for a semifinal spot from this group. I mean, they are amazing at T20. Their batting lineup speaks for itself. Their bowling lineup, I'm not as impressed by, but they still have more than enough firepower to get through. In terms of looking at the other three teams, so Looking at West Indies first, uh, really, the thing that I worry about with them is while they are they're so boomer bust and they don't really have any informed players coming into the tournament. I feel like as a whole, the West Indian players at the IPL struggled a lot, and you know now we're in the same place or similar place, and they're all they have to come back together with. I guess I mean I guess they'll have a warm up match or two, but. I'm just not as high on them as I have been in the past. Um, and Australia, I feel like, is still a mess. Uh, South Africa, I am a little more optimistic about, mainly because of their bowling. I think that in UAE, we saw that, and in the second half of the IPL, that there were a lot of lower-scoring matches, and I think South Africa has a good enough bowling lineup with, you know, we saw Rabada and Norcha with Delhi, or I saw them quite a bit, but, you know, Shamsi is also a really, really good spinner, and I think that they could cause some problems uh yeah so I, I i'm in line with you i say i think it's england's definitely there's no definite but you could say england's probably gonna make it uh i 
it's really hard to write off Australia because it's an ICC tournament and they always show up. But I just, I just think they're a tier below South African West Indies in a T20 format currently. Um, and like, if I'm picking between South African West Indies, then I was kind of going on the intangible here. West Indies really does always, you know, show up. But South Africa has slightly more talent, and we've seen their guys click. We'll see both these teams guys click in IPL and recent T20 tournaments. I might have to give the edge of South Africa. I think I agree with you guys in that South Africa has more talent than the West Indies, and they're in better form than Australia at the moment. Uh, Rabada and Norcha are are the best one-two punch in this tournament in terms of bowling attack, in my opinion. And I, I don't really think it's, it's close. Uh, England right, has the exactly. best batting lineup, so I think that's going to be very difficult to overcome for multiple teams to leave England out of the semifinal spot entirely. I think you can just put a number on the board and, and England can go hunt it down, and very few teams are, are able to do that. I think the interesting wrinkle could be if Bangladesh comes in from the group stage in this spot. Now, I know Bangladesh just lost to Scotland recently, so their form is uh, so their form is not that great. But this is still a team that has talent, and they believe that they can beat these squads. They beat West Indies and South Africa at the most recent uh, one-day World Cup, I believe. So, you know, they're going to have that opportunity. And they've gone toe-to-toe with England and Australia as well in that same World Cup. Uh, I'm not picking Bangladesh. I think uh, it's a little too much for them to overcome. I'm going to go with England in this group to to win this group. And I think I'm going to pick Australia. Uh, I know they have a lot of question marks, and I know their form is not that great. But they have some good all-rounders in Maxwell and Stoinis who can deliver with the bat. And they have some great strike bowlers with Stark and Cummins. And I think that's going to be the difference for them in this group. So my picks for, for this group are, are England and Australia to make it uh, to the semifinal. Yeah, and it sounds like O'Shea and I are England and South Africa. Mm-hmm. All right, let's shift now to Pool B. And this one uh, starts off with a banger. India and Pakistan are, I believe, the first pool game, uh, or the second pool game, uh, for this um, for this group, it's India, Pakistan, uh, Afghanistan, and New Zealand as the as the four teams that are already in. We're waiting on two from the group stage. Uh, India is the co favorite to win the tournament. They're they're slightly favored over England. I believe it's like plus two fifty for India, plus three hundred for England. So they're essentially co favorites. Uh, New Zealand is like plus six hundred with Australia and West Indies. So. New Zealand, Australia, West Indies are all in that same tier. Pakistan is next up, and then it's South Africa. And after that, I think the odds are irrelevant because you're not betting on any of those teams anyway. Uh, Pakistan is an interesting one for me in this group because I think they haven't played as much cricket. They're coming in hot after some tours got canceled for some questionable reasons. And they are a talented bowling lineup. And I think that's really going to help them in these conditions. Uh, I'm going to go with India at, at the top here because of the clear talent level that they have on everybody else. For the second spot for me, it's between New Zealand and Pakistan. I think it's really close. And I'll just say whoever wins that match between New Zealand and Pakistan gets in. So I, don't, I can't pick right now. Maybe I'll pick by the time we get to 
final predictions, but for me, it's between New Zealand and Pakistan for that second spot. Whoever wins that match will be my official pick at that point. I'm really actually in agreement with you, totally in agreement. India would be number one, and New Zealand, like, they're really consistent. They're good. But Pakistan, you know, can beat Pakistan and just beat a great A team one day and lose to someone like Bangladesh or something in their group stage the next day. And so, while I think I would like to say India 1 and Pakistan 2, I think the consistency from New Zealand is going to just take the cake. But I do think whoever wins that matchup would go in um, into the semis. So I, I'm in agreement with you. Well, I'm just going to make New Zealand my official second pick. <laughs> All right. So you guys have got England and South Africa as well as uh, India and then either New Zealand or Pakistan for a Shea. Uh, for I'll me, make, it's I'll Eng- make Pakistan my second pick. Okay, all right. So we ha- we have some differentiation. I- I'll also go with Pakistan as as my second pick, uh, just so we have some consistency here to talk about in that semifinal matchup. So uh, ideally, it would be for for the ICC. Ideally, it would be England uh, facing off against the second place team, so either New Zealand or Pakistan, and then India against either South Africa or Australia. In my case. Uh, I think it's going to be India versus England. I really don't see any other way that this plays out uh, getting to the final. I know England is down some players who are going to be key, like Stokes and Archer, but I just don't see how any other team beats them. Yeah, we just saw India beat them today, though. Yeah, warm-up match. Doesn't mean much. Tell me when the matches start counting. Well, I think India has a very good shot to beat England. I think that, you know... Missing Archer and Stokes, those are two of their best T20 bowlers. And, you know, all these Indians have been playing in the IPL. And, uh, you know, England, not all their players are <clears throat> have been playing. A lot of them have been playing, and that's good. But, you know, Butler, Butler was rested. Milan really wasn't playing. Bairstow wasn't playing. Uh, you know, Jason Roy really wasn't playing much either. Uh, and then really none of their bowlers played in the IPL. So... I think they're going to have a little bit of rust to shake off, but yeah, I think by the time the final comes around, they'll be in good shape. Yeah, I was saying in the semifinal match, I do think India could beat them in a hypothetical final. Oh, sorry. Would they even match up in a semifinal? Depends on seeding, right? Yeah, it would depend on seeding, but based on the way we've predicted it, it wouldn't be yeah. the case. But who do you have advancing to the final? Uh, so you're saying... India would face South Africa and England would face Pakistan or something like that? In your scenario, yes. Or in, uh, in our yeah, scenarios, I, would, I guess. Honestly, I would... I have yeah, Australia England. instead of South Africa, but yeah. That's your scenario. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you all but guaranteed it, but yeah. <laughs> We're all saying India and Eng- uh, England in the final? Yeah. Exactly. All right. Who do you think Welcome. wins? Who do you think wins that matchup? Too, too far of a prediction. I won't go there. Interesting. Ashe is abstaining. Please. Weak. Anish, what do you think? I don't count. I'm gonna go with Team India. I have a uh, I have a futures Ooh. bet. Easy pick, homer pick. Blue. I have I have a futures bet on India, and so I have to I have to ride with what I've bet. Uh, so I do think India will will win this T20 World Cup. I think there's too many question marks for every team that it's hard to make sort of a guaranteed pick like this team is for sure going to win like would it surprise me if New Zealand went out and won the whole thing no 
would it surprise me if West Indies repeated as champions? No, it wouldn't. Because there's a lot of question marks for each team. And when there are that many question marks, in my eyes, it's just best to go with the favorite and the team that has the most talent across the board. And with Stokes and Archer gone, I think it would have been England had those two been in. But with those two gone, I, I think the, the talent pool shifts significantly to, to India. So I'm going to say India wins this, this T20 World Cup and Virat Kohli goes off as a T20 captain uh, with, with a championship. What do you think, Ashay? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would honestly predict England wins it all. Ashay had to be a little different. He at, first, at least he gave a prediction, though. At first he abstained, and then uh, finally, Anish, that, that's some that's some investigative journalism right there to get uh, to get a prediction out of Ashay late on the podcast. That's going to do it for us. For this episode of The Follow-On, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts from. And as always, followoncricket.com.